This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, a fact overshadowed completely by the presence of my co-hosts. <laughs> Why, hello, Mackenzie Walhoff. Hey. Walhoff. Yeah, Walhoff. That's good. Guten Tag, Claire Castaneda. Guten Noggin. <laughs> Guten Noggin. <laughs> Shalom, Gabe Conley. Hello, Dave. And bonjour, Joyce Waba. Hola. Thanks for coming today, guys, because I'll be honest, I'm relying on you to carry the show Uh-oh. while I while I just phone it in. <laughs> That's okay with you, good. Sounds like every week for you, huh? Shut it. <laughs> uh, it's Civil Rights Week here at the Carver College of Medicine. Any of you... Uh, Sounds like uh, none of you were able to fit in the time to see Angela Rye yesterday. Uh, yeah. She's a, uh, an attorney, CEO of Impact Strategies, uh, which is a political advocacy firm in D.C., as well as a commentator for CNN and NPR and other yeah. networks. I would have liked that, though. Mm-hmm. She was awesome. Uh, w- uh, woman of color, social justice activist, kind of an all-around badass. Here's a clip from her speech yesterday. I don't want to talk about Dr. King's dream when you support policies that make the reality of far too many a nightmare. Don't tell me about the content of my character when you're profiling, stopping and frisking, setting unaffordable bail, doling out harsh sentences and wrongfully convicting my sisters and brothers. Don't tell me about the content of my character. See, I'm gonna dismantle some of the quotes that you just pull out to make you feel good around January 15th every year. Yeah, okay. And don't tell me about love when you and your closest white evangelical friends aren't just cowering to fascism, to racism, and to bigotry, also known as Trumpism, but some of y'all are defending it. I know it's nobody in this room, but maybe it's somebody on the live stream that you almost almost didn't let us roll. Don't tell me about justice rolling down like waters when your silence is deafening as we watch the Attorney General Jeff Sessions take the Department of Justice back to the days of the Department of Injustice. It's okay, this is a harsh word, but we're going to talk about the real legacy of Dr. King today and combating nobodiness and combating otherism and other rising. So the question really becomes, where do we go from here, 2018, not 1967? I guess the usual thing that they do during these uh, speeches is to respect the, the, um, the intellectual property of the person giving the speech. They don't just automatically live stream it. So at the mm. beginning of the speech, it was very funny. At the beginning of the speech, um, our new VPMA, uh, Vice President of Medical Affairs here, um, uh, Dr. Brooks said, uh, don't take cell phone pictures, you know, the usual thing. And she's like, mm, you know what? This is the social media generation. Go ahead, take cell phone photos, live stream it, whatever you want. So I don't know if it's out there somewhere. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's what she was referring to there. The rest of the speech <clears throat> was very challenging for, I'm sure, some white people, maybe not those in the room, but, you know, I could see it um, because she's basically saying, you know, the whole MLK thing, as it's celebrated today, is is a bit of a whitewash. Right. All mm-hmm. talk, maybe. Yeah, and, and but certainly all talk about the things that white people are comfortable talking about when it comes mm-hmm. to MLK. Yeah. The "I Have a Dream" speech mm. is actually, as I understand it, from his earlier days. Um, and and I could be wrong about this. I you know it's not like I've researched this exhaustively. There are plenty of resources where I could have done that, but I didn't. <laughs> um, so you should. But my understanding is that the, is, is that that speech, his most famous speech, the speech that everybody talks about in kindergarten, you know, history, is uh, you know is among the tamer speeches. And as he moved mm-hmm. through his career, he came to uh, more radical ideas and 
and act, you know, really radical activism. So definitely an interesting speech. Um, she's also a podcaster, as everybody is now. Exactly. <laughs> Certainly every white person I know is podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> white people have ideas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, her show On One is something you should go listen to. Uh, inspiring talk yesterday. So go listen to her show. It's relatively new. Um, give her some listener love from the Short Code podcast. From the Short Coats. Uh, if you're into social justice, you want to know more about the many problems people of color face in America, things like voter suppression, incarceration disparities, things like that. You should pay attention. I wish I would have gone. It sounds like it would have been, I don't, I didn't even know about it, to be honest. No, I don't think we got I'd, that many. Yeah. Normally, there's like posters hanging everywhere when we have right. someone come speak that's been there for like I, months. I think ahead, there were but... two banners in the auditorium area. Yeah, I think I kind of saw that, but I don't think I really comprehended that it was going to be Thursday at noon. Mm-hmm. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Was it here, like? Yeah, yeah I'm Murphy. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like maybe the undergrad lecture yeah, series. Exactly. I was like, ah, no, Joyce, a Joyce confessed to picking up a good brownie from the. Uh, no, post. that was me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Mackenzie, God. <laughs> Mackenzie picked up a brownie yeah, from the reception. She's like, she's like, why the hell are there brownies? Oh, well. Well, no, I was there at the, at the, like, it was. So normally we have lecture in that same auditorium right after, and I record the lectures. So I was standing there, like, 10 minutes to one o'clock when normally lecture is going to start. I'm like, geez, is, is this going to get done? I have to get in there and record. And then I just like looked at my phone and I was like, oh shit, it's in Beisner. And I was late and looked dumb. And it was it's a right. good time. It's mm. all right. It's a flustered day. As you got a brownie day. out of it. So. I did yeah, get a brownie, brownie. again. <laughs> so. uh, in other news about discrimination, yesterday Donald Trump's Department of Health and Human Services announced the creation of a conscience and religious freedom division within its Office of Civil Rights. To enforce the rights of doctors, nurses, and other downtrodden uh, people. Uh, so, my understanding is okay. So, first of all, remember from last week's show, nearly three quarters of American physicians report that they are spiritual and/or religious. So, how many three quarters? Is about, about three quarters. I think the number was seventy-three percent, something like that. That's way okay. higher than I would have expected. Same. It's about, yeah, the, same. it's about the average in the United States for people who at least state that they're religious. Right. Actually, I think it might be higher. I think it might be closer to I think it's, 90. It's, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to quote a figure. I, I wanted to say it was like 76%, but my memory is very false. Yeah, it's pretty high. Uh, and there are existing federal and state laws that protect healthcare providers who have religious objections to performing abortions and some other procedures. The Health and Human Services Department says this division will focus on enforcing those laws, but critics say it will lead to a broader range of objections from providers, including those... In currently, who work in currently gray, legal gray areas like the status of gay and transgender people who may or may not have, uh, may or may not be legally protected under anti-discrimination laws, depending on where they live. Um, and among among the concerns is that some physicians may feel sort of emboldened to refuse to treat based on things like gender identity, sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, other stuff like that. I think for as long as that's you know a thing, I'll, I'll have to make it my duty to kind of challenge the beliefs of anyone in the profession of medicine who sees fit to not offer care to someone based off of something like their sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely think there's like, you you need to be careful about assigning like false equivalency between um, procedural abortions and seeing someone who's Mm -hmm. gay. Like those aren't obviously in the one hand you're ending a life that you're killing a fetus, right? Versus seeing a patient who identifies as gay, lesbian or by, you know, bisexual. Um, so you, you need to be careful about that. And I guess I, f- I find that, uh, policy problematic at best. Um, the fact that this policy exists or is potentially going to exist in the first place definitely makes me worried about the number of physicians that are out there already potentially, you know, treating people with different sexual orientations, different identifications, and maybe, you know, have a subconscious bias that causes them to not even be giving these patients the proper standard of care they deserve in the first place. I spoke to Dean Asprey, mm-hmm. who's uh, one of the assistant deans in student affairs. Um, he's a he's a PA, and um, I'd like to get his thoughts on it. So, with the new division that the Health and Human Services is uh, suggesting that they would provide, I think the issue really comes down to um, providers still have the opportunity, if they have either an ethical, a moral, or a religious conviction that would cause them to elect not to participate in providing either a particular service or procedure to do so. 
Uh, my understanding is that even legally that has been tested and has been uh, generally supported. But that doesn't exempt the provider from really at the same time also needing to be very careful to conduct themselves both professionally and ethically to still assist the patient in providing them with information and or other opportunities where they could seek out those services if they felt that they were still desired or necessary. I think that's such a critical inflection point of this too that like has to be discussed because especially when you're talking about marginalized populations, um, like I shouted in the LGBTQ clinic, for example, and one of the things that I learned there was that people, it's a big thing in the first place to come out to your doctor. Mm-hmm. And um, it can affect your your whole stance on the healthcare system if you feel as though like the person sitting in front of you isn't completely accepting of that fact or like you're not going to get the kind of care that you're looking for. And um, I think the thing that kind of distresses me about that is like people might have these negative um, experiences with healthcare providers, and, I, and in some sense, yes, people are entitled to like have their moral objections. But if you're not open enough to at least give a good standard of referring someone to the next place in a way that that person feels comfortable, and that they don't end up bouncing around to different providers and mm-hmm. feeling, um, it just it makes you lose so much faith in the system if you have to keep bouncing from provider to provider. And I, it's one of those things that just. It's such a huge loss to the healthcare system and to people in general. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about like the whole thing about referrals. Mm-hmm. Because if someone is really, really uncomfortable with it, they're not going to provide a proper standard of care. And they would be much better off referring to someone who will provide that standard of care. So I think in this law in particular, maybe more specific language would be needed as opposed to keeping it super broad and people just being like, oh, I don't like the way you look and well, kind see, of passing you off. See, that's the thing. It's not a law. I mean, the, the this department has been created in order to enforce currently existing laws that prevent okay. providers from being pressured into providing procedures or care that conflicts with their deeply held beliefs. So it's basically giving teeth to something that was already mm-hmm. in existence. Yeah. So yeah, even before this division was created in health and human services, we've seen some court cases involved invoking or involving doctors' rights to refuse to treat patients based on religion. Um, a Texas judge last year blocked an Obama-era HHS regulation that prohibited providers from discriminating on the basis of gender identity saying that it would require doctors to carry out gender reassignment surgeries in violation of a deeply held religious belief. Okay, I don't know much about medicine. (laughs) (laughs) But this sounds like... Neither do we, Dave. (laughs) That's true. That's why we're all learning. (laughs) We're all learning here. But that sounds like bullshit. Uh, And the reason it sounds like bullshit is because people... You know, physicians specialize in procedure yeah you know so they don't you know if you're a surgeon you don't do kidney transplants and gender reassignment surgery (laughs) that's just not a thing you know you you, you choose (laughs) well while while i'm down here (laughs) (laughs) you're two for one yeah (laughs) i don't believe medicare will uh will allow you to bill bill uh, for two procedures in one visit um but anyway uh you you specialize in certain procedures right so if you if you you wouldn't be asked to do a procedure that you don't do. Right. right. That would never happen. Right. It's like a self-selection sort of thing for doctors and physicians. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Um, but are there other better cases that, you know, that, that judge maybe should have referred to? Right. <laughs> I guess I'm just hung up on the idea that I just, maybe I'm... It's probably not old-fashioned to think this. Maybe it's new-fashioned. I think a physician should be held to higher standards and should not be someone who is capable of discriminating based off of something like sexual orientation. Um, um, well, I think, so my core beliefs go down to that statement. I agree. Yeah. But I get what you're saying, Dave. Like, you, you're you not going to be, like, physicians aren't going to be forced into doing gender reassignment surgeries because they're not going to go into that in the first place if they're not okay with that. Yeah. But we know that unconscious bias exists. Uh, right? yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, we know this because, um, you know, studies have shown, for instance, that black people get less pain medication than white people. Mm-hmm. 
um, because there is an unconscious belief that black people feel pain less than white people, which is uh, insane. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not true. But it's it's something that you know unconsciously uh, some physicians have this bias. I mean, we we are it's inescapable. So much of I think what we're learning too, at least in my mind, is. Um, there are those things that you bring to the table when you provide care, but at the same time, there's always this constant tension um, that I kind of think about between like what you think needs to be done, but also what will be the best for this person. Mm-hmm. And what if them getting care from you, what if it's primary care? Like, can I refuse pr- like giving you primary care based on mm-hmm. religious belief? I don't, I don't really know how exactly like right. based off the language, works, but Dave just said, it seems like you could, if you do have like that moral, objection or whatever right well i mean the other side of that is say if you're taking like a full history and you get to like social history sexual history and you're just not comfortable asking those questions in the first place yeah then you're not going to get the full story and you being uncomfortable as a physician would be apparent to the patient as well and they wouldn't want to provide that information like i feel like it's definitely a two-way street that you want both sides to be completely comfortable right my personal opinion is i don't see the need for any of this um Mm -hmm. i think there's already I think there's already ways for people to adhere to their religious beliefs without being without needing yeah. the federal government to back them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a bit of a philosophical problem with the idea of creating a department just for this <laughs> from a president who has basically said that he's going to cut regulations. Mm, yeah. uh, but you know, for every what, what do you say for every for every new regulation that is made we need to get rid of two more mm-hmm. yeah. so <laughs> didn't we just cut taxes too how is he going to pay them well <laughs> that's a good question and the university just got its budget cut and we found out in the like learning learning community yeah. leadership meeting that, that means we can't have as much money which means less food yep. for <gasps> these doctors of course we're going to discriminate yes <laughs> Because now we're pissed. How dare they? How will we we're have starving? What they about our... the wrong people? Because med students can bitch and complain better than any group of people I've ever met. What about our pizza? Very good. At it. <laughs> it is a lot of pizza. <laughs> we could probably afford like, like Domino's or something. We just have to like lower our standard of. Type Are we of sponsored pizza. by Domino's? <laughs> uh, yes, not sponsored. <laughs> sponsored by Domino's. Um. Yeah. Well. Hey. Uh. The future. It's coming. Still coming. Always. You can't stop it. At some point in the near future, researchers will be carrying out the first human trials using CRISPR to edit immune cells so that they can kill cancer cells. Um, The NIH has given a green light to researchers at the University of Pennsylvania, allowing them to enroll in the trial 18 patients with multiple myeloma, sarcoma, or melanoma. CRISPR will be used to edit the DNA of T cells to delete a gene that codes for a molecule that cancer cells exploit to halt the immune response and to delete a gene that T cells use to detect infections and replace it with one that can point them at certain kinds of tumors. Um, Let's go. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is this will be done outside the body. So they'll, they'll, they'll take out the T cells of that particular patient. They will edit them um, and reinsert them into the body, which hopefully will sidestep some of the potential problems CRISPR has for genetically engineering humans that, Many people are are many people are actually resistant to the Cas9 gene that or Cas9 uh, protein that CRISPR uses to cut DNA mm-hmm. uh, because the the versions of Cas9 that are typically used are from bacteria that we already have uh, an immune response to. It's a common bacteria that we often get infected with, and so many people are immune to this particular the action of this particular protein. And Dave says he doesn't know anything about medicine. Look at you. Hey, man. You know, I can I can read. We're so proud of you. A news article, <laughs> just as well as it. I mean, you know, don't give up all hope for Cas9. <laughs> My extensive research yeah. has indicated that there are versions of Cas9 from bacteria that we don't usually interact with, like those that live in the deep ocean. So you know, it's not all bad news for Cas9, but I think this is cool. This right. is a particular oh, yeah. this particular trial is cool. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what happens with all these uh, genetic engineering things that are happening right now. Yeah, Amazing. I love CRISPR. It's like the spook tech that like can uh, fix any problem. Supposedly, right? <laughs> right? I mean, there's I, so there was like a month ago we talked about some guy who had some horrible disease that you know he was the first yeah to have this 
th this genetic engineering it took place within his body because mm -hmm. that they wanted to modify his entire genome. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any updates about that. How would they do that? What? They, I don't know what. I get, like, what is, she looks at me like I'm gonna go. <laughs> Literally, I like, read just the take news. Take all their cells and be like, "Nah, bro, you got it wrong the first time. Let's change it up for the second time yeah, around." I, was that I, the guy who got it in a, like in his liver, or was that? Oh, then then there was the kid who got the skin transplant, right? That they grew yeah. his skin, yeah, which actually really works cool. spectacularly. But yeah, yeah I think the, I think different. it was the liver guy, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, so going back to the study, though, um, do you know how they selected the, the patients? Do they have like terminal cancer? They uh, let's see if I can pull this out of my ass. Uh, it's in there somewhere. I was say, don't. I'm not. I, this is super cool, but I'm not going to be the guinea pig that this gets tested on. <laughs> I will put CRISPR in my body today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. The, the thing about this is Can that... Can CRISPR fix my mood swings? <laughs> <laughs> Can CRISPR get me an audience? Can CRISPR fix my relationship with my parents? I find that I'm hungry when I shouldn't be. Can CRISPR fix this? <laughs> uh, CRISPR, we'll, we'll, have you, we'll, have you take some, we'll have you take a CRISPR pill before you enter med school. <laughs> So that, you stop, so that you stop whining and we want, less, kind of and you want less pizza. CRISPR cures <laughs> physician burnout. <laughs> no, we were just talking about that in one of the learning communities about how medicine today is like way different than like oh, 30, yeah. 30 mm -hmm. years ago. So we're like, yeah, by the time our kids are, you know, in med school, they'll just like download the daily lecture into their brain and they'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. So funny. The bitching just continues into your <laughs> 60s. In my dad's case, he's bitching about, like, can't believe you guys record the lectures <laughs> oh. to go to class. Is your dad a, a note doctor? Taker. Yeah. Oh, He's bitching about the note taker. That is the worst. Oh, yeah. You should have seen it way back when, when they were considering, when they were starting to record lectures. I mean, you would have thought the world was ending. <laughs> I think there they were like, I still think it is ending when there the were like, comes. Yeah. No, they were like, oh, what about our intellectual property? What about, uh, <laughs> you know, what if somebody records us saying something about abortion and it comes out of the Des Moines Register and oh, this, that, and the other thing? And yeah, I suppose all that's possible, but. The slow drip of, of, uh, of, um, see, you guys are more powerful than you think you are. Okay. You guys see yourself. Thank you, Dave. You, guys, you are. <laughs> in us. You think don't even know. You guys are more powerful than you think you are. As time goes on, your, your wants and your needs in an education. Right. Influences the kind of education that we give you because, I mean, I don't know if all medical schools do this. But we actually like are listening to you guys. Like we, you guys are on liaison committees yeah. and yeah. stuff like that to help us review courses and all this kind of stuff. And this conversation about recording lectures all happened in that context of liaison committee saying, "We want this. Please do this." Right. Some and then some. Some professors were like, "All right, I'll try it." And yeah, you know, we think it's a horrible idea, but we'll try it. And then as time went on. You know, right? I think did, did a lot of people more... just think that it was literally going to be zero people ever going to lecture because, like, that's yeah. never going to happen. There's yeah. always going to be, you know, your tryhards are always going to be there. What? Well, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Gunners. Just kidding. No, look. I mean, I get it. You know, you, nobody wants to lecture to an empty, mm -hmm. to right. an empty lecture hall. But ugh, you know, the march of time. The thing that I don't necessarily love, though, about some of them is now they've gotten away with, like, we don't have to have this lecture. We'll just put it up on Panopto. That's true. And mm -hmm. we'll just add an extra lecture to your day without having time Ooh, to yeah. go to class. And Unintended like, consequence, maybe. Does, yeah. does that happen often, or is it Not, like, a ton, but with histology, it's probably the biggest. Mm -hmm. But I love Dr. Swale's lectures, yeah. so I want him to oh, give lecture. Mm -hmm. I just like his voice. I love his <laughs> I voice. Mm -hmm. Dr. Castle, too, with our new neuro oh. labs, is just like, mm, I'll just, like, listen to this for the next hour just and just it. put it on repeat for our for our listeners who who don't know them they, they very uh british well british? Doc, uh, dr, dr. swales what british i think was born australian. in britain and then he lived in australia so okay. it's like the most the perfect magical mix, combination yeah. and dr castle is british i, british, think. I think so Oop, i lost my probe they sound <laughs> <laughs> look at this capillary <laughs> capillary 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 uh, it's a tube yeah so when you say that we're more powerful i think what i think the truth of it is prospective students i think Iowa would be, is considered like a top 30 medical school, very good medical school. I think there's an arms race in terms of recruiting the students that schools want. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you're going to try to gear your curriculum towards what students want because you ultimately want the best students or, you know, yeah. good students. Yeah, but, um, it, but it's also, I mean, the other thing is, and I'm going to, this is maybe risky for me to say. Uh-oh. But I, it was it was it. <laughs> it was also said I believe by another by by a dean on the show before, hmm. um, and they and they said you know you have more power power than you realize you you know nobody can fire you, 
<laughs> you know, if I have a radical, if Dave Etler has a radical idea, you know, and I push and push and push and push, you know, at some point somebody's going to go, shut up, Dave Etler. <laughs> That's at fair. some point. Yeah. Probably earlier <laughs> rather than like, you know, many of my ideas are terrible. Sorry, that's said today. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, students can, you know, with respect, you know, using respect and using, you know, logical argument and data and all that kind of stuff can, you know, have an effect on their education and how the, how the education is delivered and all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of work. I mean, I'm not going right. to be, mm -hmm. you know, you can't just be like, well, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. You know, you really have to back it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the other side of that is that I feel like the entire medical school system is such a hierarchy a lot of the times yeah. in terms of like, at least especially for clinical years. Oh yeah. It's like physicians, attendings and residents. And then like, we're like the very bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. So in those situations, like how much control and power do you actually have? Like preclinical, it's a little bit different just because we're all constantly around each other. And we all, I guess it's kind of like an echo chamber and says, be like, we should do this. Yeah, we should, we should, we should. And then like kind of builds momentum. But I feel like it's a lot more isolating when you're in the you, clinics. You, you may have it. You may have an excellent point there. I, <laughs> I was just talking to a student yesterday who has, uh, she's an M2, um, just started her clinical rotations. Mm -hmm. She is ordinarily sort of a, you know, an, a, a, an gregarious person, but has found herself like, you know, keeping a lot more quiet than she's mm -hmm. used to being mm -hmm. because of that sort of, you know, maybe because of that sort of hierarchical nature where you're the med student and then there's the residents and then there's the chief residents and then there's the the attendings and, you know, you're just a little speck. And maybe the mm -hmm. fellows before the attendings. Right, <laughs> right. So, it, yeah, I mean, you probably have a bit of a point there, but, you know, if banding together, I mean, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, having a revolution here, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if there's something that, that, you know, you see need, needs, you know, some attention, it, I, I mean, it's just something, it's, it's a tool in the arsenal. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. Change. Especially with like the liaison committees and yeah. the amount of work that also goes into <laughs> implementing liaison committees. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't, I have never worked in other medical schools. I don't know if they're, yeah if they're like this and you've never been to other medical schools. I have no idea. I talked to Zoe, who's one of our, um, one of our like representatives and she went to a big conference in Boston. She mm. was talking to other students from other medical schools. And when she was telling them about their, like our liaison committee, a lot of them were like, wow, that's a really good idea. We had never even thought about mm. it. So mm. I don't think it's at every single medical school, but I think the idea yeah. is definitely spreading. I know it's a pain in the ass yeah. for the, for the course directors and stuff like that. I mean, they love the feedback. They do like feedback, mm -hmm. but you know, everyone's, <laughs> so, you know, one year the liaison committee will be like, we want, um, pass fail. And then the next year, uh, you, so they are like, oh, well, okay. The data seems to say that we could try that. So let's do that. And then the next year the liaison committee says, we want honors near honors pass oh, because, God. and it's <laughs> like, and they're like, well, okay. Which <laughs> hey, what happened in the past years then that said, Hey, let's, put a big exam at the end of the semester where we take all of your classes and give you one exam and it has all the material on it. Cough, cough, integrated caps exam. Thank you. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm a little confused. Um, yeah, I can't speak to that. Those are, I mean, those are Carver politics, some, listeners. Look, sometimes they have to make a decision, input or not. It, it was it was probably for the good of it. Yeah, know. you know, as someone who's on a liaison committee, just like a little like out shout here for shout out, not out an shout. out shout. <laughs> out shout. It's gonna like words, you know. Anyways, to any M ones that are listening and thinking about you know doing those surveys, it was interesting to you like hear people complaining during the semester and then compare that to what actually shows up on those comments that I had to spend hours reading because mm -hmm. some things just. Just like man, I've heard like fifty people bitch about this, but none of them Why made it into in, the in here. Yeah, which is interesting. So it's yeah. like that's me. Of... I'm that person. <laughs> I walk around bitching about a thousand different things, and then my evaluation's like more pictures of your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's kind of funny because uh, I'm no on the pictures. for anatomy. I'm on the anatomy liaison committee, and we have like a part that's like, what was your favorite thing? I think Dr. Hoffman came up like. 50 times i swear once again that also is me that i wrote <laughs> that comment just, like the only comment was just hoffman one word that was it <laughs> really he's a doctor put dr hoffman yeah. <laughs> respect uh well that was a uh, that was awful bitchy um <laughs> a off topic yeah well you know that's what that's, that's the true. show that's what we that's do we do walmart <laughs> go on logically <laughs> from crisper to walmart <laughs> 
Walmart, of all corporations, has introduced a product they hope will be an effective tool in the fight against opioid addiction. It's a kit that they will distribute with prescription opioids that will dissolve unused pills into a biodegradable goo. It's called Dispose RX, and it will be offered free every six months to patients with chronic conditions for which they receive uh, the painkillers. Trying to con combat the part of the crisis, of the opioid crisis, that involves leftover pills that ling linger in medicine cabinets like oxy and hydrocodone and things like that. I actually have, so I had a, I, I said this on the show before, I had an injury, a shoulder injury, and the doctor provided me with a mess of hydrocodone, which still lives in my medicine cabinet. I don't quite mm -hmm. know what to do with it. For I, a rainy day. I, well, Just kidding, what am guys. I, it's, it's like years old at this point. I like, I don't know if it's dangerous. I, you know, like, yeah. Might be more potent. We should, uh, yeah. I mean, fine wine. Who knows? If you want to, <laughs> don't come to my house, people. But anyway, the, uh, so yeah, but apparently about a third of these medications sold go unused and they're just hanging around and you, you know, you can dump them in the drain, but then the fish will die. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're often left unsecured so that t children or teens can mm -hmm. find them and take them. And I think another interesting thing that if they could propose this of just like for people who get those prescriptions and don't use them all, if there's some sort of like, hey, if you bring it back, we'll reimburse you a little bit of money of whatever you paid for that. Yeah. If you bring back what you didn't use. They could do that. Here's the problem. So recently the Etlers made a stupid mistake. Uh oh. The Dave Etler made I'm a, stupid, <laughs> this, a stupid mistake. Uh oh. So one of us was prescribed, my wife was prescribed something. I went to the, she asked me to go to the thing to pick it up. She said she was really, you know, excited to try this new thing. Uh, went to the CVS to get the thing. And the guy was like, you know, it's 500 bucks, right? <gasps> and I was like, Whoa. uh, but you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, but she really, she must've considered this. She must know this. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, no. Oh, I'm God. like, I'm sure I can return it. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> Turns out no. you can't return it. We're so, I'm so God. used to like, I'm so used to, like, we have really good benefits at the, at the university. Yeah, as far as yeah prescriptions you really go. And um, I'm so used to everything being covered that I did literally became stupid um, <laughs> when faced with the, the, uh, the idea that this wouldn't be paid for. And I, I, I don't even know what I just, I, it, it's, you it's blacked out. I blacked out. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it sits on the, in the medicine cabinet right now, uh, untaken because she's on, like, like a little pedestal with a little case around it. Yeah. A, an object lesson. It's like an iPhone. We were cleaning up. Not... We were cleaning up the medicine cabinet the other day and Christine's like, <sighs> and then she showed it to me. She's like, <sighs> well, she may as well take it now. Right. Well, no, because she's not gonna be able to take it again. It's one of those that oh, you definitely don't want to stop taking oh yeah so, that was a screw oh. up buddy yeah it was big time can't defend so my you point one. is my point is can't bring them back they don't want them but they should be able to doc what see if they can somehow swing something to get your insurance to cover it i don't think that's gonna work they don't pay you for it though well yeah you can you can you can definitely take them back i think that seems to be uh one of those convenience things it's like eh, no, i'll just leave it in the medicine right. cabinet until mm -hmm. the there's got to be an economic right? incentive, incentive there that's no what my teenager's well, old enough to who, sneak who in said there it the other day and we learned in our mass lecture or something that like no matter what we do to teenagers the only thing that actually comes through to them is money so if we make their cigarettes more expensive that actually will cut down the use if we tell them they're going to die nothing happens it's yolo for them they're eating yeah. tide they pods for that. god's sake <laughs> We'll talk about that. They are. I hear they do. Uh, I would want to talk about one. that because I know nothing about it. And I'm very curious. We talked about it on the show last I week, know. so we won't. Oh. We won't no, there's something through. this week though about some kid tried to vape one. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <gasps> You're lying. No, I really wish oh, I was. Teenagers. I think I saw hey. a little internet nugget of someone who's trying to vape out of a Wii remote too. So maybe they combined. <laughs> I'm honestly waiting for my little brother to like pop up on one of these videos, and I just be like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I did. I did briefly uh, hear tell of a of a gentleman who, and I, I I I meant to look this up and I didn't, but basically he made a pizza that looked like a Tide Pod, oh. to uh, I don't know, celebrate this whole. Tr I don't. I'm not really sure what the end goal was, but I'm like, okay. I There's plenty of recipes out there how to make little like Jello Tide Pods to make them look like Tide Pods, but they're totally edible and they're totally okay. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> 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 Why? Well, it's kind of like Kids all today. the other, like, how many years ago was it where there was people doing the cup thing on their lips to try to get the, whatever, Kardashian lips, and people, <laughs> like, seriously injured themselves from, like, blood 
like lost not lost but and they were like licking uh nintendo switch cartridges earlier this year weren't they <laughs> oh because <laughs> they tasted some there was something about the taste yeah yeah you know what the problem is i heard like kids today are like drinking less smoking less for sure and having like safer sex or something yeah they're so f***ing lame now <laughs> <laughs> turning the tide pods we need to tone down the messaging about living longer and having a healthier life <laughs> It's a reaction. They're probably falling in love less too. It's and... a reaction to that. Well, I'm gonna eat a Tide Pod. <laughs> Mom. I probably would have done that. Going going back to Walmart though, I just want to say I don't see that being very effective, and I think it's probably just a PR stunt on their part, more so than anything. Why wouldn't it be effective? I mean, why wouldn't it be effective? Yeah, yeah. Just because that people don't act that way, and I don't think to throw it to dissolve their pills like that they might need it they might be in pain again right they want to save it that kind of thing i guess so i don't see it being too effective but we'll see i guess I so i would be i would use it personally i would use it because almost every time i've been prescribed an opioid for whatever reason i've been too afraid of like becoming addicted yeah sure mm -hmm. and i'll take like one or two doses and then i'll be like okay i'm fine now and <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah that's fair well, I could see it as if like more physicians got on board for it and they just started carrying it at the pharmacy and rather than like a optional, you yeah. can have this just like, I'm going to give it to you. You can use it if you want, but you at least have it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the idea. Make it more available, make it more convenient. Like, you know, you know, if, if it were more convenient to, to uh, drop off your prescriptions, maybe people would do that um, when they're done with them. This might be a really ignorant question, but why don't they just straight up give less pills and say you could here's you yeah. can have a refill like you can go refill it if you need more but i feel like the fact that you have to go do that extra step would already de-incentivize people from doing that some things uh, they have that some things they only give for like a week at a time and yeah you they're keep going in but they're doing a lot more stuff like that um you know cutting things mm -hmm. down to like seven days um uh what else i'm yeah they're they're make this is just one mm -hmm. Uh, one bit of the effort to to uh, curb the crisis but yeah i think i have to agree with gabe on this one though i think it Woo! seems a <laughs> you're welcome. Gabe's like that never happened <laughs> <laughs> true but um i feel like it's a little bit gimmicky like i would love if it works and i love that it's also free and included in this mm -hmm. but like i don't know how like if people are actually going to use it or not well that's yeah. nothing's free i mean you know mm. it, it gets built true. in somewhere but True. Well, guys, this past week, the Consumer Electronics Show was in Las Vegas. It's a big deal for manufacturers who get to show off their latest products and, and concepts to the press and retail buyers. As always, there were some products that have healthcare implications. Let's see if you can spot which of these products are real and which ones I made up. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's time to play a pop quiz. <laughs> so, first, the uh, you remember Healy's. Yes, yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. I had a pair actually. Oh, did so you really? Cool. Did you? So did you like switch I was, around on them like a like an obnoxious little sh shit? <laughs> the middle school I was in actually made an, a rule because of me. Yeah, going through the <laughs> hallways. <laughs> they call it the Gabe. Yeah. Rule. Basically, oh, that would be extra cool then. Yeah. Oh, Healy yeah. so hard that they ban it. Yes, I have it, I have that tatted on me now. <laughs> Just kidding. Tattoo the wheels on the bottom right. of your foot. <laughs> Were your parents like? I mean, you're, if somebody bought these for you, would they, uh, do you think this is something they regretted? No. I think, you know, my mom just wanted to make me happy. I wanted them. And my mom oh. just wanted to make me happy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I was a Where baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so clearly these are the skate shoes the kids used to wear that made them obnoxious. They and left nasty marks on floors everywhere. Would have caused me to hyperventilate at the thought of my child, like, falling backwards and You could get some crazy up. speed on those things. Well, actually. yeah. Well, now Razor, the scooter maker, has introduced some skates that are similar but with electric motors, allowing kids to <gasps> real and buying it, rock it around at even higher speeds. Wait for the medical <laughs> implication of this. <laughs> is this a product that I made up or is it real? Oh, it's totally real. You made that up, Dave. Razor Scooter has a lot of good ideas, or at least they had one really good one. <laughs> so <laughs> I think they're back. That's a, that's a really funny statement. Seems they like have a, a lot of good ideas, or only one. It's like a natural transition from like the hoverboards. Okay. Joyce? Anything? I'm going to go with real. Yeah, it's it, too fun not to be like a thought yeah. someone really did have. Yeah, it, it's real. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good job. It's real. And I, yeah, it does sound kind of fun. Mm. I don't know. I would not be able to die. I would follow. I would, I would follow <laughs> down. All right. 
The uh, the Weenus 2 is a revolutionary <laughs> breakthrough treatment offered by a U.S. healthcare startup called uh, Sinyami. It is a band that wraps around your elbow and uses infrared technology and a special gel to revitalize dry elbow skin. The infrared technology, the infrared energy is created by a computer-controlled lithium-ion powered emitter like a battery. Come on. <laughs> they they tart these things up for their press releases. And the gel is some sort of proprietary uh, mess that uses things like vitamin A and <laughs> aloe vera. So, I don't know. I, I have dry elbow. Do, do y'all have... Check actually, out your weenus. <laughs> my husband actually went... I'm sure he'll love me talking about this. Yeah. He actually went to his... Uh, they love when we talk about them on the show. Physician, like, last week. And one of the things he asked him about was, like, why are my elbows super dry? Or he was... This is at the dermatologist. And the dermatologist is like, oh, well, the skin on your elbow is actually different. And the skin everywhere else oh. has a much higher chance of being dry. Is hmm. it more keratinized? I have no idea it, why. Come on, you didn't immediately not. go and look that up in the in the no. literature. <laughs> no, I need no, to ask. You're disappointing me. I know. Okay. That's okay. You could do it. No. <laughs> what happened to Weenus One? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Maybe they just didn't release it when Dave was making this up. He thought Weenus. Just sounded too outrageous. Oh, so you had to say the weenus. weenus too. You Wait, think I made this? Is up? actually a word, though. Oh, I know. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I remember back in middle school, people would be like, "Oh, have you touched your weenus today?" People would be like <laughs> super obnoxious about it. Absolutely, I was one of those kids. <laughs> With I your heelys, yeah. on my heelys. <laughs> I only learned the word weenus from this press release. Really? I had to go look it up. So. Oh, maybe it wasn't around when you were in middle school. Yeah. So. It's on that end of the spectrum, like away from fun, but into dumb, that I think it could be real. Oh, I think you struggled too much saying Sinyami that I think it has to be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely reading it. So we got, we got, it's gotta be real. So fake. We got one fake and three reals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's fake. Yeah. Uh... I know, Dave. I know you, Dave. <laughs> Except for I was wrong in the first one, so I'm maybe I, <laughs> I know you half the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, grandma. Well, thank you for setting her up with Hip Air, a belt equipped with airbags that will protect her from a broken hip if she falls down. The airbags <laughs> automatically inflate when it senses a fall, absorbing 90% of the impact forces and protecting the old femoral heads and other bits. It's totally real. I actually saw this on Facebook heads. the other day. You're not supposed to reveal. That might have been fake news. Ooh, actually, true. it was the Russian bots. The Russian bots. It was on the C. I used to be a CNA, so it was on the CNA page I was following. Mm. They're like, Guys, that's where the bots questions. hang out, Mackenzie. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> if you know the answer, try not to give it away. But uh, yeah, it's it's real. It's, it's a good idea. I have had many good ideas that involve airbags. <laughs> <laughs> well, please expand. The motorcycle airbag. <laughs> I've. Yeah, th- these are now things that I could have developed had I been a smarter, <laughs> more motivated, more motivated person. <laughs> right. I, I can't imagine though, like thinking about. Because older people who are at a fall risk, it's not like too much of a stretch at all to think like a lot of them also probably have memory issues uh-huh. and like general confusion. Yeah. Like to think of one, like an older person who's already confused falling and then to have airbags <laughs> and go up. Right. For well, some reason, I'm just imagining like a turtle on its back sort of situation. Oh, no, they're not that big. They're just okay. on the side. Like when I worked in the nursing home. What do you mean? They're huge. <laughs> when I worked in a nursing home, we had like special like almost like types of underpants that we would put on our fall risks that were like super heavily padded on the sides so that if they would fall, at least there'd be like more of a cushion. So it's, I think it's more of that idea, but without the bulkiness of wearing that. Um, it's like the inflatable bicycle helmet. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this up for you guys who aren't familiar with it. I feel like they might be at more risk of a whiplash injury. I can't wait for this like schematic. Bridging arteries? Rupture? <laughs> Bridging arteries. hematoma. So, this is this is what it looks like undeployed. Okay. Oh gosh. So it's like a weird looking fanny pack. Yeah. yeah. It's like an all around all over all over fanny pack. Um and this is what it looks like. This is great for our listeners at home, by the way. <laughs> and this is what it looks like deployed. <laughs> oh so it looks like she's got some tumors. If it's or she's like holding like hip. two yeah, two-liter bottles on either side. I'm just gonna, so the problem. So one of the problems of so my wife, audiologist, she always talks about how people uh, don't like wearing their hearing aids because um, because they're embarrassed. Sure. Of mm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in a strange sort of way. I mean, it's not like glasses. Like most people aren't embarrassed about wearing glasses. Um, not They might not like them, but they're mm -hmm. not embarrassed. I don't really see this device as being something that people wouldn't be embarrassed to wear. <laughs> totally agree. I can see it being used, though, in long-term care units. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because all your... Well, what they, the, 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 the video I saw was, the, the promotional video I saw was of this grandma. She's in the, she's in the kitchen, you know, she's <laughs> poor, making herself some tea. There's kids playing out in the yard that she's, that, you know, she's keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. And she's got her big ass fanny pack on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is no. This yeah. is not happening. <laughs> she would wear it on like 99 of the day, 99 out of 100 days, but she would fall on that one day. Right. Yeah. Not or also you like fall getting out of the shower and like random right. other things. Yeah. Like you're not yeah. going to be constantly wearing it. Yeah. Speaking of old people, Chinese drone manufacturer DJI has thrown its new drone into the air and it's meant to fly around nursing home hallways above head height on the lookout for stray patients and those in distress. It uses an artificial intelligence to understand the medical implications of a facility's particular patient population, sorting them into risk categories, which coupled with advanced mapping and, uh, art, uh, did I already say artificial? Yes, I did. Allows him to keep an eye on the most vulnerable patients. It finds If it finds a patient in distress, it will alert staff and also keeps an eye out for stray or missing patients. Is this real or fake? Totally That's at a nursing crap. home, you said? Uh, or long-term? Yeah, I think nursing and long-term care facilities, places gotcha. like that. Nah, total full crap. We know what McCow McKenzie thinks. Yeah. <laughs> McKenzie's vote is in. Yep. Real. Okay. Everything's uh, real. Sure, be. real. Why not? I'm going to go with Claire. <laughs> Gabe, you, you made that up. I know you did. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Gabe, but oh, yes, you're man. right. <laughs> Who's going to allow a drone to fly around? And, come on, guys. It was right. like a beautifully bad we idea. Can't even be, I mean, that, yeah. like, there was like a little part of my head that was like, so it's like, such a good bad idea. <laughs> it might be Dave. At the same Dave. time, like hallway cameras. <laughs> I'm gonna That's too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> I'm going to give... Look, listen, listeners, I'm going to... Because I will, I do not have the fortitude to go out and do these things on my own, to come up with these ideas on my own. Take them. Take these <laughs> ideas <laughs> if you want and, and, and run with them. I'll be honest. I kind of caught on to you because you said patients and not residents. Oh. They would have called them residents in the press release probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably. Probably would have. Can you imagine somebody in an altered mental state? <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's taking a break. I know that's all I'm picturing. <laughs> right. Just like this is uh, causing me more distress. <laughs> the most confused person. They're, they're running the away from that drone, is what they're doing. <laughs> they're no, falling and breaking their hips, but fortunately, they <laughs> yeah. have. You have some poor, back, you know, per, some poor old have, man from Iowa who's then going to be searching for his gun to go shoot the pheasant yes. that's flying around in the that's hall. That's true. But if we're lucky, they'll have the belt on. Yes. <laughs> And while they're running well through the woods. moisturized weenus. <laughs> Absolutely. Dave, if even if I don't like podcast in a given week, can I just like come in while you're brainstorming this shit? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's much less exciting How than it looks. It usually involves like sort of a nervous like what are we gonna talk about look. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's try this one. Um L'Oreal, the makeup company. Fake. <laughs> Uh, has created UV Sense. Oh. It's the company's effort to protect your skin from the damaging rays of the sun. It's a little patch filled with electronics, about two it's tiny, two millimeters thick and nine millimeters wide, that you attach to your thumbnail. It records the amount of UV light uh, that hits you for up to three months. It has no battery. Uh, it's applied to... Uh, the reason it goes on the thumbnail is because it receives optimal sunlight. I don't know what that means. Hmm. You use your mobile phone to track UV exposure, and it's supposed to help you not get cancer. Is this real or fake? I tell you what, Dave, if, if you made that up, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's not bad. But I'm going to say cool. real. A short coat podcast sponsored by L'Oreal and yeah. Domino's. <laughs> yes, all these not a sponsor. doesn't have to be L'Oreal. Real. Real? I'm always team real. I've seen this on Facebook. It is mm. real. Fake news. Oh. Again. Well, they already all answered first. All right. That's why yeah. I waited. It's real. <laughs> That's a really it's cool real. idea. I like this idea. Um, they, they, you know, maybe they can work some some more fashionable. I mean, it, it's it, it's very tiny, but still, you know, something two mil, two mil by nine millimeters on your thumb would probably stand out if you can turn that into some sort of, you know, like, oh, yeah, butterfly or, <laughs> uh, you know, Ladybug or something you can just like that. Stick it on your Fitbit or whatever watch yeah. you might otherwise. I can wear. see it's got to be. I don't... It could be a covered by your shirt though. That's a problem. Oh, that. that's a good point. Yeah. So that's why they try and make it hands. But then living in Iowa, it's just like 
you're wearing gloves all the time anyway. Yeah. Or at least I am. Not in the summer. You're probably hopefully. not that out would be in weird. the sun too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I need to say concerned. we don't see much sun. If you're doing surgery in the open air and your gloves are like... <laughs> It'd be a great gift for your uh, grandma who likes to go on walks with the neighbors. True. (laughs) Why? That's their demographic, I bet, but they're targeting like, oh, older people. I think they want to see 20 year olds doing that. Could be young people. Young people get skin cancer. Nobody our age can afford this, though, probably. That's That's the problem. These are going to be super expensive. We'll see. What if you just have cold hands a lot and like to hold them into the sun? (laughs) Also, or is it going to be just like the cigarette thing? Like, you can tell them, like, oh, I'm getting way too much UV. Oh, well, I probably won't get skin cancer for another 50 years. It's <laughs> a good point. Uh, Gonjix is a medical cannabis delivery system from company from a company called Health Yah. It's a <laughs> smartphone-enabled electronic joint that allows patients suffering from conditions like MS, cancer, and seizure disorders to receive their medicine at a carefully controlled rate prescribed by their doctors. Doctors enter the dosage and times of day into their end of the application, and the smartphone keeps track of the patient's use. Cutting them off at a prescribed threshold of some sort, Gonjix says that it should help to allay federal regulators' fears of runaway marijuana use. Jeff Sessions, probably all over this. <laughs> what do you think? Real or fake? I'll say, once again, if you made that up, just randomly, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good idea. Okay. I'm going to say real, though. Okay. I'm probably going to say real. Uh-huh. I actually think it's fake partially because i know that the current trend is for a lot of states to legalize marijuana anyway so why would you spend all this time and effort creating this startup Mm, when it might just be legalized in the end anyway all right i think it might be real only because this was a project when i was in biomedical engineering oh like this was well not with uh marijuana but with like cigarettes and being able for your physician or like vape pens for physicians being able to track how much people are smoking out of a vape pen. Mm. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But wasn't cutting people off. Okay. It was just measuring. Okay. Uh, it's fake. Ah. Hey. It's fake. But I like the idea. I thought I was pretty pleased with that hey, idea. Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Use it. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could use that idea for almost any medication then. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Have like a little like, oh, well, it's set to your smartphone. Opioids I can, I can I could unlock when your prescription, like the little container opens so you can this take like your medication. Black mirror. This is a billion dollar yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. We have someone who's molded her own butt. <laughs> we, yes. we know who's going to develop her. True. But I can't do this. That was the big thing with that pen that I was talking about or the, yeah, the vaporizer I was talking about. It was like the, the issue isn't the mechanics, it's the medical records and shit. Mm. The, the, uh, the legal issues? Yeah, like to yeah, okay. appify something that has your medical records on it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's like through a separate system and then it gets added on later. Could that potentially work? These are the questions. You have a lot of good questions. <laughs> All the questions. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to start using that. When I like forget to research something, I'm going to be like, these are good questions. <laughs> these are good questions. <laughs> should research that. I did that as a tutor all the time when it's like, oh, how do you do this, this, and this? I'm like, let's figure it out together. <laughs> Where is the textbook? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, people. That's all I have for today's show. I want to thank you listeners for making us a part of your week and thank you guys for showing up and uh, engaging in some creative <laughs> bullshit with me today. Thank you, Dave. Uh, our show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Argo Fox. No, Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 